Five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season, absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. Definitely proud of just everybody, the way they executed with their Bears Nation. Well, I just think that it's one performance, like like you said, but it is important. You know, the, the whole country was watching us. Fields takes off. Left side, he's in. Touchdown, Bears. Fields throws to Herbert. That's blocking. That's a touchdown. I don't take any game for granted, so uh, I'm just, you know, glad we got the win. Just proud of everyone. Here's one floated for Swift, and it's picked. Brisker, the rookie. Zappi passes in the air and intercepted by Smith. This is going to be intercepted by the rookie, Kyler Gordon. The one Brisker had was pretty amazing. That was a really good play. The other two interceptions were tips, but that fosters confidence. The ability to take the ball away, I think that's a big part of winning football. Winning. Starting to get the concept now? It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Boy, is he a handsome young man or what? Wow, winning. That's a fine human being. And Jake Hassan. Incredible. All right, all right. All right, all right. Ridiculous. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bets. 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 Go Bears! Strap it in. It's Bears Nation, baby. The Bears! Welcome in Bears Nation podcast. It is Tuesday, October 25th. Myself, Jake Kastan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka, and as always, brought to you and powered by Betstamp. It's a wonderful time to go to Betstamp, and I hope you used Betstamp after the game last night and used our promo code BEARS to go look up prices and go look up the lines so that you can win your bets and win the bets that we gave out. Not so much me, more Kevin Lapka, which is a weird thing to say, but anyway... We hope you use Betstamp. We hope you use the code Bears. We hope you helped us help you. We hope you showed the love to Betstamp and therefore showed the love to us. So go to Betstamp. Use our code Bears. If you didn't last week, you'll get another chance this week and for the rest of the season. It is a victory Tuesday for the Bears. It pains my heart. It is with a heavy heart that I say Kevin Lapka was right. Kevin Lapka gained a game in the standings and the Bears Nation podcast predictions. Myself and Kellen went down with the ship predicting a Patriots win. And Kevin, to his credit, stood fast, said the Bears are going to do it. This feels like a Bears spot. This is a Justin Fields spot. And I look like Boo Boo the Fool for not the <laughs> and probably not the last time. Kevin, it happened. The Bears actually showed up on primetime. The Bears showed up in a big spot. The Bears just showed up. They played well. For the most part, they played a clean game, a solid game all around, minimal mistakes. And that was probably the best version of the Bears that we've seen in non-monsoon conditions since last year. Easily. I mean, that's one of the bigger wins in the last three years that this franchise has had. I mean, the implications of this win, we'll break it down, but they're significant. Like, that's the important thing about the Bears situation is you're a very young football team with a young franchise quarterback. So a win like this for a team like the Bears means a heck of a lot more than other teams just winning 33 to 14. But because they're so young, because you got production from younger players and you got production from your franchise quarterback who you want to be here for 10 years and you want to see that improvement in growth it makes wins like this that much more significant that's why it was so elated last night like I was incredibly like we just we moved to three and four last night after that win but it felt bigger than that it felt more exciting than that you know what I mean like it felt like we had just clinched our ticket to the playoffs like it just it, it felt so good I mean and I don't want people to forget here now the narratives and the storylines coming into this game, right? Because all of a sudden after the Bears win, I'm seeing people on, on our TikTok comments, our Instagram comments and Twitter saying, oh, you beat a, a rookie quarterback, Bailey Zappi, and, and a team that doesn't know what they're doing. No, the storylines coming in were, oh, it, it's Bill Belichick against young quarterbacks at Foxborough. He never loses yep. at home against young quarterbacks, 17-2 all time. Oh, Bailey Zappi's on a heater. They got a good thing going. They're on a roll. They got a little bit of momentum, two-game winning streak. They're going to come in here and boat race the Bears. I mean, most people thought the Bears would lose this game 33-14, to not win it. People have to remember how impressive this win is at every phase of the football team, man. I mean, the defense completely neutralizing the Patriots aside from those couple of drives in the second quarter when Zappi came in. The offense just looking like a completely different unit doing completely different things. Special teams making plays. And more importantly than anything, I think, coaching. 
the the job that Matt Eberflus did coming off of the mini buy, the eleven day rest period. He must again listen to Bears Nation podcast because they made the changes. They 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 did the things that we talked about. They were capable and willing to do it. They did it and. You see what happens when you're able to make those changes. It wasn't just the offensive line. Dominique Robinson was getting snaps. They made changes personnel-wise across the board. A heck of a job at every single facet. Um, this is the best. Let's put it this way, Jake. This is the best I felt about the Bears probably since the latter part of 2018. Because you think about oh. the years 2019 and 2020, yeah, better you feel better good. than the stretch where Justin Fields, like the four game stretch of Justin Fields last year with Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Vegas. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, so that's where I'm at, Jake. I don't know if you feel the same way, but this I feel very, very good about the trajectory of this franchise. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. I'm not going to completely flip. Uh, I still have concerns. Obviously, yes. like one game can't change everything. We've said that uh, about every. You ask any NFL fan base. Ask the Jaguars. Ask you know the Chargers. Ask anybody across the NFL who's in a similar spot as the Bears or even the Packers. Like one game doesn't change everything, but this was definitely a step in the right direction. And we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow in our preview episode. But now, can you keep that pro- forward progress going? Is it going to be another step forward against the Cowboys or is it going to be two steps back Mm -hmm. like we saw after the second half of the Vikings game and then against the commander? So that's a huge question that we'll address tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put the clown makeup on. I'll put, I'll put the makeup (laughs) on. I'll walk through the tent and be the clown of the circus because I mean, Kevin, everything that you said last week was right. The bears, I mean, I had no faith that they were going to change anything. I had no faith that they were going to do what needed to be done to put Justin Fields in a position of success. I came on this very show and I said that I have no faith in this coaching staff to be able to do what the Eagles have done, to do what the Mm -hmm. Ravens have done, to do what the Bills have done, and cater your system to your quarterback. And then they went out there. First of all, they changed the offensive line. You know, Before the game even starts, I sent the tweet to you. Lucas Patrick's at center. Michael Schofield, who you've been banging the table for for weeks, is at left guard. And we're like, and and that was kind of when it started for me. I was like, okay, maybe something is different here. Maybe they are committed to changing something. Maybe they finally hit their breaking point in that piss poor performance against the Commanders. And then, well, first play of the game is a designed quarterback run. And then I'm like, okay, well, shit. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is going somewhere. Maybe this is actually going to turn into something. And that proved to be true. Now, granted. All of my concerns around the Patriots were basically came true. I mean, the Patriots defense played pretty well to start it for sure, especially. I mean, Matthew Judon completely game wrecked that game. And Justin Fields throws another, you know, uh, unfortunate interception that really yeah. isn't his fault. Hits another helmet. Kind of not sure what's going on there. Leads the league in helmets hit, but whatever. And, you know, but, but despite this, this was a Bears team that, you know, beforehand I would have said, if you had told me that Matthew Judon was going to have two and a half sacks and a, and a pass defense and a bunch of tackles and the Patriots were going to pick off Justin Fields in what, the first quarter, the first half, definitely. Yeah. I would have said, oh, the Bears get blown out. And, it, and it's a, you know, terrible. If you, And if you told me they win, and not just win, but win convincingly by double digits, by multiple touchdowns, I would have said you're crazy. But here they, we go. The Bears don't roll over and die. They come on, they play with fire. And granted, you know, they had a couple, the defense had a couple big plays, obviously, where you yeah. get to carry that momentum, which again is credit to you. Something that you said if the defense steps up and flips the field a couple times, then you're able to come back from a couple of those mistakes, which we've been saying for weeks. And it just, it was a different Bears. And not only, and, and Kevin, you said this too like, yeah, great. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach probably of all time. You've been saying Matt Eberflus is not a bad coach. Matt Eberflus was the best coach on the field last night. He was like Matt Eberflus was the best coach on the field. He made all the right decisions. He pushed all the right buttons and Bill Belichick didn't know what the hell he was doing with two quarterback system. He's looking at, he's looks pissed on the side. Doesn't even challenge a Cole Komet reception, which I think probably warranted a, a challenge. He, I mean, on the replay, obviously that we watched on TV, he was in bounds, but I'm surprised Bill Belichick didn't even, especially when Cole Komet pops up. He's like, go, 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 go. We gotta, we gotta go. I'm not sure that was in bounds. Like we gotta yeah. move it here. And then Bill Belichick just stands there with his hand in his pocket. Doesn't do anything. I mean, he got coached out of the out of the building, out of his own home stadium, and that was not something I was anticipating at all. And Justin Fields, I mean, how great is it to see him laughing on the sideline? He's having a great time, having a ball. I mean, we're talking about Justin Fields with the iPad getting stretched out, and they're saying Joe Buck saying, "Oh, maybe he's playing games." Yeah. 
two weeks ago that happens. We're like, well, yeah, he needs to be looking at that iPad because this is no, we're making jokes about it because he had a great game. And not only like, yeah, the passing yards aren't still there, but the rushing yards are there. The throws were there, both long, intermediate and short. Fantastic. I mean, that throw to Khalil Herbert, the pump, the hold, because the lineman's right in his face special. and then the recalibrate and goes around the lineman. That like special. I agree. And maybe we're blowing it out of proportion, you know, recency bias, but that's special. Like that's that athleticism that we've seen highlight that athleticism. I don't think there's, especially because think of it this way. Justin Fields at one point hit the ball off his own knee and fumbled the ball. Granted, he recovered mm-hmm. it on his own, but you know, the ball slipped out of his hands on one occasion, at least one occasion last night. And so to be able to do that hold and then recalibrate and still get the ball to Cleo Herbert for an easy walk-in touchdown. I mean, that's what we've been hoping for. Now, again, it's, can you keep it going? Can you take another step forward or at least continue, like, maintain this instead of taking two steps backwards like you did against Commanders? That's what I was saying. That doesn't just go for Justin Fields either. That goes for Luke Getze. Can you call another game that way? Can you put together another game plan like that against a Cowboys defense that's even better than the Patriots? Against Micah pa- par- Parsons. Micah Parsons, who's even better than Michael Judon, you know? Matthew you, Judon, you, yeah. You have, or Matthew Judon. You have to step it up. I mean, this is not just Justin Fields. This is Luke Getze. And it's great. I mean, the one point, I forget which play it was, but uh, I think it was on a fourth down play or a third and short. Justin Fields runs over to the sideline. He ta- he's talking to Luke Getze. He's like, okay, we're going to do this. And then they convert. I mean, some of the, and Justin Fields, and I, I will end this rant at some point. This is probably the most positive I've been about Justin Fields. This is great. I'm loving this. This is why I, I mean, was sitting back it's just, listening. It's just some of the things awesome. he did. It's like, all right. I mean, it was better than the Vikings game. It really was it because was. I, was. And, and some of those plays, some of those plays, it's where the, the raw athleticism did shine through because it, it was at least three times. It's those, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Like, I mean, the third and 14, the third and 14 and the third and 12 runs that he converted, like multiple times I thought he was going down. And, and granted, there were a couple times where I still would like to see him just get rid of the ball. I mean, the sack yeah. that he took, uh, the 10-yard yes. sack, uh, I think it was Judon's second sack, should have just thrown it away. Like it's just still some of those, but when you're getting some of those third and 12 runs that convert or the, where you thought he was going to run and he chucks it to Darnell Mooney in a spot where only Mooney could get it and tap his toes for the first down and out of bounds to save you from burning a timeout before the half. Like you take it with that. When, when, when you're offsetting the bad plays with those, you're absolutely taking it. And I'm all in. And I don't even want to sniff the quarterbacks next year's draft. Then I'm all in. Like if you could do that, but again, it's you got to maintain it. You can't take a step backwards against the Cowboys. And I know the Cowboys are a really good defense, and they just boat race the Lions. But you think you're a better team than the Lions, and I mean, obviously the Lions lost Amon Rasay Brown. They didn't have DeAndre Swift, but still, like you got to maintain or take a step forward. You can't do this thing where you take a step backwards again. Correct. There's an Olivia Rodrigo song called One Step Forward, Three Steps Back. You can't do it. You cannot do that. Uh, But look, I mean, this is when I talked early on this year, again, I'm pulling out the receipts because everyone was on my ass recently about the predictions that I made in the offseason. What's up, T3 Podcast? T3 Podcast and I'm Scott's in the chat. How you guys doing? Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um. About, you know, oh, you're so stupid. How could the Bears be a 9-8 and team? How could they be a 10-7 and team, right? How, how is that even possible? And it's games like this where you realize that ceiling could be 9-8. and That ceiling could be, you know, that, that seventh wild card. I mean, if they play like this, if they just play a half of what they did uh, in this game against the Commanders and against the, the Giants, they're a 5-2 and two football team. And against the Vikings, they're a 6-1 and one football team. So I knew going into this game, it was it was going to be a close game because they keep themselves in games, but I did not expect it to, to get out of hand like this. I mean, for them to yep. completely take over the game and really like even though I thought they were going to win, I didn't know if this was going to be the week where Justin Fields was going to win you the game. Right. We, we've been right. waiting for this point where the quarterback wins you the game. You know, we've had excuses. We've had you know situations where, you know, we haven't played well, but we, we sneak away with a victory. 23, 20 over the Texans. The defense plays well. Roquan gets to lay an interception. Defense bills you out. All these all sorts of things. You're not winning because of offense yet. Last night. They won 
because of offense. They won because of number one on the offense, Justin and Fields. Not ju- and, and not exactly just Justin want. Fields. It was also a full effort from everybody on the offense. Khalil Correct. Herbert had a good Correct. game. Yeah, Montgomery had a good game. Equinomia St. Brown was involved. Darnell Mooney was finally involved. Cole Komet had a big catch uh, in the second half, or was it the end of the first half? One of the, Whatever, when he made that he catch fall down. Um, but, but Cole Komet, a couple of big catches. Like yeah. Dante Pettis, like is involved in making big plays. Sure. Like it was a full. And not Kill Harry well, had like, a catch. Like yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed by that because he was involved early and then he just kind of went away. Uh, I would like to see more of him. But anyway, continue your thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I again, unexpected. But this is what this team can be. When like we should expect it to be not maybe not this good, but we should expect the offense to be moving in this way, to be scoring at least 24 plus points a game if they continue to do these things. You know, these are again, these are things that we've been talking about for weeks. And and, and now in hindsight, again, hindsight is always 2020. And you look back and you start to think about, okay, well, why haven't we seen it yet? And you start to think, well, maybe it's a first year in offensive system with a lot of young players. Maybe it was always supposed to take a couple weeks. Maybe it was always supposed to take five or six weeks for them to figure out what they have with this team and to figure out how to run this offense. You know, I don't love that as an excuse, but you start to think about those things when you get to a point like this and you didn't see it for the first six weeks. And then in week seven, it all comes together. And again, I do think well, it's, and it's, it's also the egregious yeah. ways that you lost to the Vikings well, and the commanders right. like that also is part of that. Oh, absolutely. Part of it. But I think, again, the willingness to change things around and to discover and to try different things, right? Because that was our point the whole time. Like, we didn't even have this solution. We we have we, – we pitched ideas for them, right? We said you should mm-hmm. design – more design QB runs, do a lot more, you know, uh, bootlegs and play action and, and just shorter throws to get Justin in a rhythm, um, find ways to, to take the defense out of it and not let them control the line of scrimmage. And maybe if that that's not even the solution, at least try it. You know, at least try it and see if it, if it works. And they tried it, and it works. It's a shocker. It worked. If you use if you use Justin Fields like a running back guy who's 6'3", 225, it's probably going to work, especially in the red zone. And it did work. But you have to carry it going forward. And, you know, I, I'm i a little bit worried because what I noticed, and I tweeted this out, and my guy Dan Bernstein retweeted it, so it kind of went viral on Twitter, was when Lucas Patrick exited the game with a toe injury, we don't know the extent of the injury, you know, they had scored 10 points, then Patrick left, and then Mustafer came in, and then, you know, you stall out on a couple of drives, and that's when the Patriots, you know, get back-to-back scoring drives with Bailey Zappi. You start going down 14-10, and at that point, yeah, I wasn't feeling good. At no, that point, like, no. you As were soon not- as that, I thought you were dead in the water. I, I, I almost thought it was dead in the water. Uh, and I'm a little bit worried that, Obviously, the protection is worse with Sam Mustafer in there regardless. Mm-hmm. Although they won this game, you can safely say that the protection uh, with that offensive line at with Sam Mustafer at center, it, it, it's obviously not as good. All right? I think Lucas Patrick, he hasn't been a great left guard, but he's clearly a better center. But yes, more than the agree. protection was – I saw them really change the things that they were doing from a playing calling standpoint when Sam Mustafa came in. You know, you saw them move the pocket a ton when Lucas Patrick and Michael Schofield were in there. The moment Lucas Patrick left, they weren't doing a lot of that. They weren't doing a lot of different things, moving the offensive line around, pulling guys, you know, throwing screens to allow offensive linemen to get down the field and make plays. And I honestly think, you know, it, it kind of reaffirms something that we had mentioned early in the year was maybe Getsy knows that the personnel there isn't good enough for him to do all the things he wants to do. And I think sure. we got confirmation of that on Monday night that look, Mustafa is one of the least athletic centers to ever play the sport from a, from an RIS standpoint. If you look up his RIS score in comparison to the rest of league history, he's one of the least athletic centers to ever play football. And I think Getsy knows we can't do everything we want to do with him in there. You know what I mean? And we saw that last night. So I'm a little bit worried going forward about, you know, if Mustafer is in there, how it still continues to change. But credit to Michael Schofield, who played well at left guard. You know, Larry Borum was was all right at right tackle. Again, it's hard going up against Defensive Player of the Year candidate Matthew Judon, uh, but he did kind of expose Borum last night. But, yes, this common theme, this common theme of, you know, willingness to change and doing it, right? We, You know, in going for it. Because we've heard people say it in press conferences. We've heard, you know, coaches say, yeah, we're going to try it. And then they never do. They never put it in action. The Bears put it in action. They should notice the result. And they should continue to do that. And that's a really, really redeeming quality for any coaching staff, but specifically a first-year head coach and a first-year staff. 
Yeah, and that worries you because today we still don't know the status of Lucas Patrick. Eberflus said today that he has more doctors to see. And I mean, it sucks. I mean, because you saw, like you said, when Mustafa came in, the next two drives stalled immediately. And then you finally, you started to get some rhythm back. And and some of that was game script at the end when you were able to just run and run out the clock and you didn't have to do too much. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. The offense is in there. Now, does that change when Cody White here comes back and maybe you can put him at center and keep Schofield at guard? I don't know. Hopefully, Moose, I mean, hopefully, ideally, obviously, Patrick misses zero games and is ready to go against the Cowboys on Sunday. And then in two or three weeks, you get White hair back and then you have that whole offensive line. I mean, speaking of which, though, I mean, Tevin Jenkins wow. is just unbelievable. I mean, he's he's really good. He is really good. Yeah, it's funny. I, last night I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a really good night for Ryan Poles. And I'm also thinking, wow, this was a really good night for Ryan Pace. Like, yeah. like Tevin Jenkins continues to be that guy. And man, I mean, the, the, to even also, imagine that we thought about trading him. I mean, it's and I mean, crazy. think of it this way, as far as next season, like if you, because Braxton Jones, I still like him. Yeah, he's a fifth round rookie. And yeah, he's going to have his moments where he's not so good. But for the most part, he's been really solid and has progressed in a positive manner week Absolutely. to week to week. Like, I, I still think maybe he's not like a, you know, maybe he's not Trent Williams or maybe he's not like an all pro left tackle, but if he's another Charles Leno and he's an above average left tackle for you, fifth rounder, exactly. Fine. And then, and then if you have a franchise right guard, then you're set. And Cody White here, when he's healthy is still a very, very good left guard mm-hmm. that helps you a lot going into next off season, as far as shopping for offensive linemen. Even if you think Larry Borum is only average, if you only have to fill two spots because Lucas Patrick is under contract for next season too. Yes. So if is. you have Jones, Jenkins, and Patrick and Whitehair, you only got to yeah. fill right tackle. Yeah. Like or even or you even left tackle. Have to. Or well, yeah. or even left tackle and switch Jones to right that's, if you if you like point. Jones better than Borum. Like you are in a very avid like Tevin Jenkins alone being this good is puts you in a very advantageous position next season. Like. And I think Braxton Jones could be good. Like I, Larry Borum might just be average, but that's fine. Again, that's another fifth round guy. Like it, yes. you might be okay here. It, it, granted, like Patrick's what? 31, 30. Like you're going to have to get a center eventually. Maybe Doug Kramer can be that. Uh, and white hair is starting to get a little older too. Let's see. Did it a research and development team. White, uh, white hair is a little, Lucas Patrick's 29. I think okay. he was under well, 30. I think white hair is probably like 30. White hair is 30. He'll be 31 in July. Yeah, so I'm not terrible. You can live with it. But still, eventually you're going to have to start getting younger guys in here at some point. Um, and Jenkins and Jones and Borum are obviously the start of that, even if they aren't worldly. I mean, Jenkins might be a, a Pro Bowl you know, right guard. But even if Jones and Borum are average, that's still solid depth for whenever you get your star offensive line. Not the point. The point being that back to your original point of Patrick and how he changes this. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, hopefully he misses minimal time, hopefully zero, you know, time. A toe injury is nice so too. weird. Um, but had to get carted off, obviously not great. But, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I think when Sam Mustafer's in there, Luke Getzey's like, shit, we just have to go bare bones, and we just have to, you know, kind of cut it down a little bit because, you know, I, I can't do as much as I would like to. I can't move the pocket as much. But credit to – you know, Luke Getze, we still saw more rollouts, more bootlegs. We still saw Justin mm-hmm. Fields move around a little bit. We still saw a career high and designed runs for Justin Fields. So Luke Getze obviously knows what, at least on some level, what needs to change and the changes that had to have been made. And he's still committed to them with Sam Mustafer. So we'll see what happens against the Cowboys. And again, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. But I mean, Kevin, anything else that just really, really stuck out to you? Well, I wanted to go back to a point that you started to make about, you know, these these young guys. And, and again, although, you know, everyone's all going to be back in about, well, yeah, maybe the Bears can make the playoffs this year. And, and that should be a thought that can be had, if I'm being entirely honest. That that should be a thought that crosses your mind. Uh, the NFC, the bottom of the NFC is wide open. The Bears, if they play like this for the rest of the year, can definitely squeak out enough wins to possibly get into the seventh seed. So you're not wrong if you think the Bear, if you're still in on the Bears making the playoffs. But obviously, the greater outlook is still 2023 because that's when the Super Bowl window opens. And the thing that you kind of pointed out was, all right, you're starting to figure out, you know, where where you need to spend money in the offseason. And the reason why I said last night was so significant for a number of reasons beyond just the W and the win column is, you know, you, you learned a lot about. You know, where you where what positions you think are solidified and, you know, both on the offense and the defense and then where you kind of need to spend your money next year, because the more that the offensive line continues to play well, 
means guess what? You don't have to spend that much money on them. You don't have to spend an early round draft pick on them yet. If you're totally fine with, again, Tevin Jenkins is there and, and Patrick and Whitehair and even Schofield is fine for depth. You know, if you want to re-sign him and not pick up a, a, a left guard in, you know, the sixth, fifth or sixth round, mm-hmm. like you're figuring out that, hey, okay, we understand that the offensive line is a little bit better, but we still need playmakers uh, on offense. So we're going to actually allocate more money to the wide receivers and, you know, the tight end market as well, something that they should be looking at, um, get another receiving tight end to pair with Cole Komet and don't have to worry about spending extra money on positions that don't that, that you don't need, right? And, and so they discover that, hey, okay, this is our offensive line. And on the defensive side of the ball, like, man, you're getting value now out of your rookies. You're getting value out of your rookies. I mean, I mean, everyone that played well last night are pretty much guys on rookie contracts. And that's the benefit of having a young, successful football team is you look at the guys who, you know, made the takeaways on defense. Kyler Gordon, first-year rookie. Jaquan Brisker, first-year rookie. You know, um, Dominique Robinson caused the interception of Roquan Smith. That's a fifth-round rookie. You know, and then you look on offense. Justin Fields, you know, the player of the game. Rookie contract. You know, Khalil Herbert, rookie contract. All of these guys, rookie contracts. You know, Darnell Mooney, rookie contracts. You know what I mean? Like, you're finding value all over the place. And this is only going to help your franchise going forward because you don't have to pay any of these guys immediately. They're on contract. They're on. They're cheap. You're good. And you're figuring out that, hey, we don't even have to worry about the secondary. We have eight draft picks next year. You shouldn't take a you should take one cornerback. But other than that, you're good. Like, you know that you can just address the needs that you need to address instead of rather the last couple of weeks, you started having thoughts pop in your head. Well, I don't know. Like, you know, maybe Kyle Gordon's not good. Maybe we need to take another cornerback or, or maybe, you know, some of the, maybe Braxton Jones isn't good. Maybe we do need to take a left tackle to, to kind of understand and figure out this week against the pay, the Patriots on Monday night that, Hey, those positions are good. Let's direct our attention to what's really needed and figure out what's really needed. That put that makes it easy for Ryan Poles. That makes him have an easy offseason because you have all the money in the world. You have all the draft picks in the world. It's everything is at his disposal. Anything that he wants to do this offseason, he is capable of doing because he has the money and he has the draft capital. And it's not even the offseason, Jake. I mean, you're getting to a point now, and people are going to start to talk about the trade deadline because it's what only like four weeks away. And yeah. I, I said this on Twitter. The Chicago Bears should not be sellers at the trade deadline. They should be buyers. I'm not saying they should trade for three different players, but you have all of the means in the world to go trade for Jerry Judy, to trade for Chase Claypool, who's my number one guy on the list right now, because you have the draft capital and you have the money and you're just putting yourself in a position where, hey, if you do get Chase Claypool, man, this could actually be a really competitive football team next year. If you draft a wide receiver in the first round, make some right moves in free agency, man, like you're figuring out what is good about this team. And the positive of that is the good is young. The good aren't old 35 year old players who you have to pay a lot just to keep around. And that's the, it's, that's how good organizations, that's how the foundation of a good organization begins. So very, very big stuff. But you, you made a face when I was talking about Chase Claypool. You don't like that? You think, no, you think they'd trade him? He's only what in his third year. Yeah, there's been rumors that they're trading him. There's been rumors that the Steelers are willing to trade Chase Claypool. Um, I don't like. I, I think the problem. I think. I think for them, they have to pay. Or did they already pay Deontay Johnson? Did they pay Deontay Johnson? I can't remember if he was a part of that class uh, that got that extension. Uh, I want to say he was. Oh, I'm looking at Chase that. Claypool's right now. Chase Claypool, 2020. So yeah, this is his third year. Johnson. Oh, I guess. Oh, I guess because he doesn't have a fifth-year option, that makes sense. Yeah. So Deontay Johnson and Deontay just, just signed a two-year, thirty-six million dollar. I mean, he's getting eighteen million dollars a year. That's pretty hefty. And then obviously George Pickens is 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 going to be their number two. They believe for the next couple of years. Why would they need? Why Maybe would they want to? If they could get a draft, I mean, they're one and are what, they're two and six, two and five right now. One and are they one and six? I mean, the students, no, they have they two do? wins. Are you sure? No. Oh, yeah, they're two and five. They're two and five. Um, so right. you know they're at a point where obviously, given their situation, you got a rookie quarterback. You're not making the playoffs. You're you don't got to worry about. It. You're going to get a high draft pick. Unload, unload Chase Claypool for a pick. Give him to us. We'll take him. We can take on his contract. I don't know what what is what his cap it is. I don't know what 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 is his. You're looking at his contract right now. What's his salary? What's he getting uh, this year? It is he this year he is making one million two hundred thousand. Next what? year it goes up to one point five because he's still on his rookie deal. 
Next year is his last year before he hits free agency, and it's 1.5 mil. Oh, wait. No, wait, it's no, wait, no, we're good. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, right. I was gonna say, I'm right, I'm right, Claypool I'm right. was like a, a second round, second round pick, second round so, pick, yep. Um, that's yeah, number so, 49. I, I mean, go for it, man. Like, be buyers at the deadline, make this team better, you know what I mean? Like, like, go, go get a, a, a bargain player and continue to figure out what you what you clearly need in the offseason. The best possible situation is to go into the offseason with the least amount of questions, or maybe not the least amount of questions, but the clearest answers to those questions you know what i mean like oh what do we need what i didn't know dj moore was like making so much money what the hell yes so that's the thing with dj moore is he makes a lot of money and the panthers are asking for a Holy lot for hell. what's he at like 20 million not well so th- this year it's like the last year of his rookie deal and then it goes up to 19 mil next year almost 20 then 15 mm-hmm. then 14 yeah that's wild appreciating but i i I, if I'm oh, being honest, no. I'm completely out on trading for DJ Moore. I'm completely out. I, I It's not that he's a bad <laughs> football player, but you see that cap hit, and then you think about the return that they're asking for, which I believe sure. they said is comparable to the Christian McCaff- the return they got for Christian McCaffrey from the Niners, which was a 2, a 3, a 4, and a 5. I'm not paying a 2, a 3, and a 4, and a 5 for DJ Moore. And I honestly like, am not the biggest dj Moore fan like i don't think he's what this team needs this team needs a pure x go up and get it receiver is that not what they need jake dj Moore is not that you know like he's a I good mean, football player but i'm not paying i'm not trading four draft picks and paying that guy 20 million dollars it's for just like just, how many just, times over the last couple of years has chase claypool like gotten clowned for just being an idiot on the field like oh, it costing his team fine. It's more. It's more than once. <laughs> so it's like, do the Bears where they're at really need slash want that? I don't Chase know. Chase Claypool I, for a fifth round pick. Do you say no? No, I don't. I don't say no because obviously, like, I mean, you trade the 49th overall pick for a fifth round pick. I, like, yeah, you do that. I'm. I don't. I don't know, man. I. I, I, think, I they, think. I think somebody else would pay more. What about Jerry that. Judy? Oh my God! Give me, uh, give me Jerry Judy. I would cut off my right arm for Jerry Judy right now. Well, to be honest, if you, you think about the names that are out there, Chase Claypool, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, and there's one other name that's been floating around for wide receivers that are going to get traded. Jerry Judy is the most logical of all of them because he is a player who has underperformed for his franchise. He's a part of a franchise that is in a two and five team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, that has no first round draft picks for the next three years, needs to reload on picks. They already have Cortland Sutton. They already paid him the money. They don't have to pay Jerry Judy if they don't want to pay Jerry Judy. Get him out of there. Trade him to us for a third rounder. You might get a third or fourth back this year because it's a conditional pick. Go ahead. That I'm all in on Ju- that. I think Judy would be worth more than that. I think he'd be worth more than that, but I'm not sure teams are going to sit there and say, yeah, like we're going to take a first rounder for Jerry Judy. No, I mean, just because yeah, of the no, production thus far in his career, like he doesn't have, but to also let, like, like, he, like the Broncos, he's under, the he's under contract for the cheap this year and next year his salary is only two mil. And then you have the fifth year option because he was a first round pick. So just that control alone. For a guy, because everyone agrees the potential is still very much there for Jerry Judy. I mean, when Russell Wilson first got there, we were all saying, "All right, here we go. This is the Jerry Judy breakout." And then, you know, obviously, yeah, that's, that's, Russell Wilson just kind of stinks that. now. But right, right. I I, I would I would Kevin I would sell you for Jerry Judy. Like I like I would like I'd put wow. you in a box and ship you to Denver for Jerry Judy. Wow. Like that guy is. I don't want that go guy, to Denver. Well, Denver's a nice city, starter city, but good city. <laughs> starter city. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I would be fine. Would you be fine trading a second round pick for him? <sighs> Especially it, if we it's know that hard Ryan Wolf is good no. drafting in the second round, or, or so we believe, given the it's, way allegory. It's hard to say no to that. Just because two and a half years of control on the cheap for a, for a guy with that much potential. It's hard to say no to that. It is hard to say no to that. I mean, as long as I don't, I don't think I'd be furious. I like if it, I don't think I'd be, I think on the surface I'd be like, okay, let's hope that they can make it work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, and I think there's still 
a situation at play where if the Bears, you know, struggle in the future, I, I think this is a team that could make the playoffs, but if they struggle and if they do end up in the top eight of the draft, they are probably in a position to trade down because it's such a quarterback heavy class. And there's going to be teams that are, you know, kind of in that mid range with an older quarterback, maybe a 49ers like team that, you know, or not the 49ers. I mean, you wouldn't imagine that they would do that with Lance still in their back pocket, despite coming off injury, but you know, a team in that sort of situation, you know, Colts or something, you know what I mean? Uh, that would trade up and yeah, kind of try Colts. to jump you. So if you, if you know that you're going to, you know, have that sort of, you know, outlook, what? you know, then what? I'm fine Speaking trading a second rounder. What do you got scheming up now? Now we're getting into it. Yeah, I know. This is so stupid. Like, we came here to talk about it, actually. Like, this is something we would have done after the Commanders game, and now we're I doing know. it here. But, so but we, no, because it, we we fell down a rabbit it's hole. realistic. Okay. It's, okay. Michael Pittman has one more year of control after this, and he's they're 25. They're not trading Michael Pittman. They're not trading Michael Pittman. If, 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 no if, I, because Frank Reich might, is probably out the door. That's true. And Chris Ballard can't be close, can't be far behind him. Chris Ballard built this thing in the most, you know, shit way, like house of cards way possible. And they're seeing the result. Like they might, if the, granted the Colts, and I'm not saying it's likely, but the Colts would have to like go full rebuild. Like they'd have to come. But that's a first round pick. Pittman's a first round. 100%. And I'm not, you're not trading that first round pick. There's no, no scenario. Um, I don't care who it is. You're not trading. It's just, it's just something to think about. Um, Speaking of second round picks though, Jaquan Brisker is so good, dude. He's so good. He's so good. Let's not forget Jake mocked Jaquan Brisker to the Bears. This was your guy from the start. You you own that that interception was like uh, like out of a movie. It was wild. Like at first I thought, oh, that's a lofted ball. Then I was like, oh crap, Brisker's like way too far in front of it. But I thought it was going out of bounds. And then he just gets up there. It like Mm. it was unbelievable. Like it was crazy like, he's so good he he's probably gonna be a pro bowler this year the bears are probably gonna have two pro bowl safeties they might right i mean they, if he continues to play this way and i and look go use code bet stamp they don't have player prop futures on there but you can get jaquan brisker defensive rookie of the year at plus 2500 right now at 25 to 1 because Ahmad Sauce Gardner's playing so well, and these other and guys are playing, playing so well. But so there's a there's 12 weeks left in the NFL season. Injuries happen, and if Jaquan continues to play this well, if he continues to take the ball away, like he could be the defensive rookie of the year. He could be the defensive rookie of the year. This all things like this always happen. Guys get off to really hot start the rookie year. It's never the same come week 17. And I, I think I think. Jaquan has as a case for it, but boy, oh boy, is he good. And I love the narrative, the storyline there of it sort of being a revenge interception, right? Because on the play before Mac Jones does the dirty slide, kicks his foot up, kicks Jaquan in the nuts, you know, well, I, I tweeted it. The old, the old get kicked in the peen, the first career interception pipeline, dude, like you read about. (laughs) So it was so, I, and I hate Mac Jones. If I'm being honest, I think he's a dirty player and I think he's a bad human. I, it's one of the reasons. Wasn't that zappy? No, that was Mac Jones. No, that was Jones because then he got yanked. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. I think he's just a bad guy in general. Uh, maybe not a bad guy, but I think he's a dirty football player. You're, um, you, you just hate that he beat Ohio State in the national No, that's not even why. This is dude, not was, a Mac Jones thing. No, this, this is an yeah, Alabama is, thing. It's not. It's not. Because I was covering that game for school. Like, I didn't even – I wasn't emotion. I wasn't emotionally invested in that game, if I'm being honest. Like, I wasn't. I had to be objective, Jake. I'm a journalist. I'm a capital J journalist. All right? I had to be objective. Uh, I'm not oh. salty about that. But it was just great for Jaquan to have that moment. You know who called me immediately after? Uh, Dwayne Brown, his trainer, called me once again. He was like, I told you. I said, Jaquan, he's the guy. He's, a, he's an all-pro. He's a Hall of Famer. And, man, I mean, both of those guys, Kyler Gordon and Jake, my bold prediction was 10 yards away from being spot was, yeah. on. I said, Kyler Gordon, he's great at jumping the routes. He's going to jump this route. He's going to take it to the crib. He got it. And unfortunately, he had 4-1 runner Tyquan Thornton running behind him, chasing him down. I think he was also, I think Kyler was also a little bit fatigued because he's really fast. But, man, I mean, and it's it's it was perfect timing for Ryan Poles because on Sunday night, George Pickens had a great game. He had like five-plus receptions. He scored a touchdown, and everyone's saying – Fuck, fuck, fuck. You could have had George Pickens. You could have had a wide receiver. You instead took these two secondary players who look okay, but you know, you should have taken the wide receiver. And after that game on Monday night, not a single person is thinking they should have taken George Pickens. 
everyone is thinking you made the oh, right yeah. decision by picking Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon because, man, I mean, those like you have stalwarts in the secondary now in Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson, and Kyler Gordon, and you're going to have them for three plus more years. Like that is insane. That's insane. Like they might have the best secondary in the league next year. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's they not might crazy. have it this year. If they no, continue to play this no, well, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not willing to take that. Jump I don't know. Yet. I'm not taking know. that jump yet. I mean, who? I like think about that's, it. Like, that's that's elite. To, I have that's to run through the teams. I have to run through the teams. You know, like the Broncos have a good case because Pat Sertan is just him, and, and you know, but man, I mean, if the rookies continue to play well, if Jaquan, the like they at least might have the case. best safety tandem in the league. Can you say that? Probably. Maybe. I mean, it's just so hard. To, like, I, I, I just always like I hate doing stuff like that with rookies, let alone two rookies, know, just because I, it's I, like I'm getting we're gonna go through these up. Right. I mean, it, no, and I completely get it because last night Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. I mean, Jaquan Brisker's been awesome all year, but Kyler Gordon continues to play well every week. Comes down with an interception last night. Granted, end of the game, whatever, but still, still playing really well. Tackling way better. Around the ball all the time. He mm-hmm. like clearly is starting to handle more responsibility in the defense, which is great. Uh, and it's what you would expect out of the guy who was your second round pick and your first pick of the draft and number 49 overall. Like that's what you want. Like that or not number 49 overall. Why did I just do that? Um, and you know what I mean? Regardless, shut up, Jake. Regardless, these guys are playing better and, and it's definitely a step in the right direction. And it's very positive development. I just hate playing the, Oh, and, and I know I just did it with Jaquan Brisker saying he could be a, a pro bowl safety, like, <laughs> but he's played well all year. Like he's had way more ups than downs and way more positives than negatives all year. Like from day one, Jaquan Brisker has been playing awesome. Uh, now right, Kyler right. Gordon took a little bit longer to get there, but he's getting there. And even like you said, I mean, Dominic Robinson played well. He was around uh, again around the ball uh, for a key turnover. Like he wasn't week one. Like, he was around we the ball that. and made an impact play. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's just I, I, I always like to hit the brakes when it comes to like saying things like that, like, oh, they might be the best safety because they could get torched by Dak Prescott on Sunday, you know. But no doubt about it, they played really well. The defense played. We heard Justin Jones' name for the first time in like multiple ever. times. He had a great uh, <laughs> game. He had a great game. Yeah. So I mean, and, and that's really what it all comes down to is that yesterday. Yes, it was Justin Fields' like breakout, um, you know, full game breakout for the season. But everybody, I mean, like I said, Equinomia St. Brown had a good game and he was targeted. Mm-hmm. And just to go back to the play calling on offense, like what almost got me most excited was like the little out route to Equinomia St. Brown for like seven yards at the end of the game for a first down. <laughs> like it was just like so simple, but I was like, all right. Like, that's what you need. Like, that's exactly like, just do that. Or the middle of the field throw to combat. Like, we're doing like, there you go. Like, the, like the seven, eight yard, six yard throws almost got me as excited as, you know, that the throw to Darnell Mooney at the end of the half or the r- crazy scrambles uh, to get out of trouble after almost getting sacked or the screen touchdown to Cleo Herbert. Like, the little seven yard throws for first downs almost got me as excited. <laughs> like, it's like, it was a complete game not just on the field but from the play calling too and that's what you need that's all we've been begging for i wish it had happened against the commanders too so you could have two and a half games worth of solid play strung together but if you can carry it over on sunday i'll take that i'll happily take that 10 times out of 10 so show us that you can build on that justin fields i you know i'm not gonna say that all of my concerns are gone after last night a lot of them are assuaged we'll say it that way they're, they're knocked down a peg I, I, if i can see it more i will happily say yes justin fields is the guy next season saw a lot of things that i liked so i mean just him having a good time laughing on the sideline i mean I the dance that, running eh? the touchdown that was great um you know just show us that you can keep doing that and luke gets show us that you're willing to continue to cater this offense to his strengths continue to show us that you're willing to roll him out and that you're willing to design these runs for him and for the love of god keep doing these simple routes and then every now and then take the shot the one the one overthrow of mooney to the end zone i, I if he if if justin fields had had That's that funny, throw yeah. perfect let him great you know maybe and they said on the broadcast yeah you know that was flat didn't put enough air under it you got to be super precise if you're gonna throw it like that you know Crappy conditions, rainy game. Maybe that played into it. Maybe got a little overexcited. But to my earlier point, 
didn't let that stall at the drive, didn't let that ruin the game, just came back, got the first down, kept things moving, didn't let it stop and stall out the whole game. And that, more than anything, is what was encouraging to me last night about the Bears. They didn't let a bad play completely derail things. They took it on the chin, and they kept things moving. And that, to me, was the most encouraging thing of the entire night. That's huge, man, because, again, we talked about it. We we thought, and a lot of people, I'm sure, fans of the, of the game were watching and thinking they're done, down 14-10. And, and, you know, for them to rebound after that and come back and have a, a touchdown in the ensuing drive and then, you know, keep your foot on the gas and score on, I believe, four consecutive possessions going in uh, into the second half, I mean, that was just how that that's that's what good football teams do man and they keep themselves in games and this is the underlying you know best quality of Matt Eberflus and wins or losses as you know they find a way to bounce back after you know negative plays after you know you know slow slow periods of the game you think about even week one you're down 10-0 to the to the uh the San Francisco 49ers in week three or four what was it against the Vikings you're down 24 to three I want to say or 21 to three to them and you find a way to crawl back and then you know we hadn't seen this team play with a lead this year and I was really intrigued to see how they would play with the lead and they, you know, they they kept their foot on the gas. They 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 stepped on them, man. When they were up, they stepped on them. When they were down, or when we were up, when they were down, and that's exactly what you have to do. We've seen too many times in the past, you know, Bears teams get a lead, lose it quickly, and it's gone. Like, and that's why we're conditioned to believe that when you go down, when you go up 10-0, and then you go back down 14-10, that the game is over. You're conditioned to believe that because that's what the Bears have done in the past five years. But for them to, you know, go up, go down, and then regain the lead and put them away, put them away, that's the difference in this team. And I think that's the difference, you know, in this head coach versus Nagy versus, you know, uh, you know, John Fox or Mark Tresham or Levy Smith. Or not Levy Smith, but Levy Smith is fine at that. But put them away, you know, and there's going to be people who are pissed that they didn't put up 40 in Foxborough. Peyton Manning, one of them, he says, when you have a chance to put up 40 in Foxborough, you put up 40 in Foxborough. I had no problem with that. They take a knee, do the respectful thing. It's fine. But look, man, I, I just – what they did on offense, again, back to the play calling with Luke Getze, I think they've recognized finally that Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback in this league if he is rushing the ball on design rushes seven to eight times, seven to eight times a game, is accumulating 60 plus yards per game on the ground, and is a threat in that aspect. That's why he is going to be great. Great. Again, it felt like the first six weeks. They tried to make him great as a passer, and he can be great as a passer. He is great as a, as a passer. But if you want him to be a great overall quarterback, you know, take a page out of Josh Allen's book. That's half the not half the reason, but that's a large reason why Josh Allen is so special. When you see him hurdling defenders and you see him doing all these different things that with his legs, that's why people believe him to be the best quarterback in the league right now. And that's where you know you think about Justin Ceiling's uh, Justin Justin Fields' ceiling. Well, he only reaches that ceiling. If he is utilized, if his legs are utilized the way they were on Monday Night Football, I mean, 10 design rushes. And I love the fact that Justin had hinted at the fact that they took a page out of Greg Roman's book and, and the Baltimore Ravens and, and yep. saw what they do with Lamar Jackson. And again, look how it works. I mean, like we talked about this, Jake. We talked gee, about this. Gee, taking offense. a leaf out of the book of the guy who won the MVP award is a bad yeah. idea, is a good idea. No, that way, that's who, crazy. Who would think? And, yeah, and, right. Like, Again, I think they're listening to this show because we talked about this in August and we were like, man, like think about think about how you can scare the defense, man. Like how you can how you can, you know, keep them guessing when just when the football is snapped to Justin Fields last night. I mean, it was a it was nearly a 40 percent chance that he was going to run the ball. I mean, that confuses yeah. the hell out of you. And then you saw them do this, actually, uh, where they start to, you know, to put a spy on him and then putting a spy mm -hmm. on him, open things up in the middle of the field like. This, it's just it's all it all came together last night and it was beautiful to see and you know you, you keep saying it, it it it's true though these things have consistency is the hardest thing to achieve in sports and to be able to do it in back-to-back -back weeks is what is what makes you feel really good because we feel great right now but if you can go to dallas and it's a tall task like it, it is worth noting that you have to go again on the road and back-to-back -back road games to Jerry's World and tough place to play at a, against a good defense. Context matters there, but you can't. You, you if you lose that game, you score twenty-four points. Fine. You can't put up a Commanders performance. You can't put up a Giants performance. You have to go into that game and show at least the same things, even if they don't work. Show the same things. Show that you're able to do this. You, two weeks you in don't a row. have to necessarily win. 
You just have to at least show that you can be an NFL offense and show that you are committed to doing things that work for right. Justin Fields. Completely agree with that. Absolutely. And I just I, I think that equates to wins, though. Like I do. Like I, yeah. I again, I, I think yeah. that equates to wins. So you know, I'm I'm already getting ready for that game. I mean, golly, I'm starting to get excited. It's <laughs> well, like, well, Kevin. The good news is we do this again in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. The good news is we do the preview show. 23 hours from now. <laughs> That's the good news. I got 23 hours to, to keep myself excited. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm sure it's going to be real hard for you because, granted, I mean, given, you know, the state of ev- everybody's excited. Everybody's still going to be talking about this for the rest of the week. And so you'll be saying the same things that we are. Got to keep it moving. And we're going to keep revisiting the Okay, this is what you got to do always on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the excitement's going to be hard. Like, and to be honest, like I will actually be kind of excited to watch Sunday. Like if the Bears had lost and you put up a commander's performance or a Giants performance, like mm-hmm. I would not be excited for this Cowboys game. I'll be like, you're just going to get smoked. Like you're just going to get absolutely murdered. But right. now if you're able to do that, some of the things, even if you don't win, if you're at least able to be competitive and show me that you're willing to cater to Justin Fields, then I'll be like, all right, cool. I'll take a silver lining. You know, great. Cool. Like, if you go eight and nine this season or seven and ten this season, but Justin Fields gets better over the next 12 weeks every week, just about, the season's a success. Yeah, you, like you did say that from the start. I was going right, to call you I, out, but you did say that from the start. I, I was 100% on that boat from the beginning. Now, then once you know things started to look bad, did I go even more doom and gloom into like the three win territory? Yeah, I did straight up, but there are some winnable games now. Uh, if you're going to play like that, there are winnable games. So, Starting with maybe potentially, probably not, but yeah. Dallas, it's not, it's not impossible. Dallas has not impressed me whatsoever at all this year in anything that they've done. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, their defensive front is the only redeeming quality of their team, in my opinion, thus far. Through you know, CD Lamb's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Michael yes, yes, but he's not playing up to his potential. Michael Gallup has zero catches for zero yards last week. You know, Ezekiel yeah, Elliott is washed. Good. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Dak hasn't good. even, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not that scared of them. Be- put it this way, Jake. We're now that we are kind of previewing this game, uh, or, or that you can at least look forward to it. Are you more worried about this game than you were heading into the Patriots game? At this given I'm point in more time, more worried about this game than you were at this. Point oh, okay. So, okay, Patriots okay. Game. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, Be honest. No, I'm, I'm less worried. I mean, yes, if you do, if correct. You, yeah, I'm definitely less worried for sure, 100. I agree. So that's that's the point I'm making. Is if you were uh, that worried last week and look at the outcome, it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's. It's definitely better. You took you took a big step in the right direction. Tomorrow we will come back same time as always to break down and preview the game against Dallas. We'll talk about the matchups. We'll talk about our predictions. We'll talk about our bold predictions. You know the whole drill. You've been here for a while, but we will be back in about twenty three hours to do that preview for you guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You guys are always the best. Go to BetStamp. Use our code BEARS so you get the best lines, best prices. Help us help you win some money by using BetStamp. Go to BetStamp. Code BEARS. Kevin, until tomorrow, I'll see you then.